Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week we are discussing the start of spring training for the Cleveland Indians, NFL quarterback musical chairs, and things we don't like about Dolly Parton. I'm joined again tonight by two of the best ever. Phil Denko is here. Hey, Gerbs. Thanks for having me. And smiling Chuck Rambaldo is here as well. Hey, Gerbs. What's up? Not much, man. Hey, Phil, let's start with you. As you well know, concrete is a major contributor of CO2 into the atmosphere. Production of cement, the binding element in concrete, accounts for 7% of total global carbon dioxide emissions. Scientists at the University of Michigan are working on composites infused with CO2 that produce a bendable concrete material that allows thinner, less brittle structures that require less steel reinforcement and would drastically reduce CO2 emissions. What do you think about bendable concrete? And would you drive over a bridge constructed with bendable concrete? Um, Really quickly, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I I think bendable concrete could lead to some pretty interesting uh, buildings and structures uh, in storms and that's interesting. I guess uh, saving that 7% though would be important. Uh, maybe chipping away at the other 93 in other ways might be safer. Um, I'm not sure. I'll, uh, <laughs> well, it is the University of Michigan coming up with it, so I can't say it's going to be any good. But uh, I'm told that they have a pretty solid university up there, right? Oh, man, Despite what we might think about uh, their, their athletic department, <laughs> I think they teach real well. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent grammar. All right, fellas, yeah. let's move into our first segment, our at-home segment. And let's start with the first of what I think are going to be many conversations in the coming weeks during spring training about the Cleveland Indians. And let's start, because pitchers and catchers reported this week, with the starting rotation. Right now, it is projected that the starting five are going to be Bieber, Plesak, Savali, Tristan McKenzie, and Logan Allen. And of that group, only one guy, Bieber, as a season with double-digit wins. Uh, it is a really young rotation. Chuck, how reliable do you think this group is? Unreliable. I think Bieber will be rock solid, I'm hoping, barring injury. But Plesak's decent, right? He's a decent major league pitcher. He looks pretty good. But, you know, from experience, we all played baseball. What's it like when a sophomore pitches a varsity game? It gets <laughs> their buttholes pucker just a little. Not saying these guys are, are professional and they'll be great. It's just, you know, like I, I hope it's the rotation's filled with surprises. Like it has been, right, for the past five years, some young guy steps up. Problem is you need two or three young guys to step up. So I, I think it's a little unreliable this year. I think Chucky's making a good point that it seems like the Indians, as an organization have done a really great job developing pitchers. And so Phil, does that give you some confidence that even though there is a lot of youth and there is very little experience in that starting five, that they're going to be able to be consistent enough this year to get the Indians into the playoffs? Uh, Some confidence. Yes. Uh, I, I feel that the Indians are really banking on exactly what you just said. They can develop young pitchers and now they're going to trot four out of the starting five out there and hope that two or three of those guys turn into double digit winning starting pitchers. Whereas in the past we had, we had a good mix, you know, when Bieber was all of a sudden like, Whoa, where this guy came from, we had Bauer and we had Kluber and those guys. And Carrasco too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Carrasco. Absolutely. So I trust that yes, they can in fact, and have developed really good young talent, but to Chuck's point, I mean, it's a little bit different when you you're in between the white lines there and you're playing in, in, important games. I don't feel that confident about this pitching staff 
pitching the Indians into the postseason this coming season. Okay, well, let's go from bad to maybe better. Let's talk about the outfield this year. <laughs> oh, God. So projected outfield right now is uh, Eddie Rosario in left, Oscar Mercado in center, and then either Daniel Johnson, who has played five major league games, Jordan Luplo or Bradley Zimmer, ouch, in right field. Also, the projected batting order has our center fielder and right fielder batting eight and nine. Phil, who was the last Cleveland Indians outfielder to hit 30 home runs in a season? Uh, Manny Ramirez. <laughs> oh man, no, it's, <laughs> it's not quite that bad. Chuck, do you have a guess? <laughs> oh man, I have a better guess. I'm going to take a stab at one of the worst free agent signings ever. Was it Nick Swisher? Did he hit 30 when he was here? No. Oh, how about uh, Grady Seisman? There you oh, go, Phil. That oh, was it. Good one, Phil. Grady go. hit 33 in 2008, and that was the last time we had somebody in the outfield that hit more than 30 home runs in the season, which is amazing in the American League. Uh, you should what? have guys in the outfield who mash. So with that setup and with our outfielders batting eight and nine, Chucky, where is run production coming from in this lineup? Ooh, oh, man. Two, three, four. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> two, Sounds three, good. Four. It's such a it's such a disappointment. And now that I know it's Grady Sizemore, because I, I, I don't want to live in the past, but like I remember those outfields that had Albert Bell and Manny Ramirez in them yeah. and Juan Gonzalez in them. And and like and even dudes, Kenny Lofton yeah, would Kenny hit like Lofton, 20 a year. At or least, Marquise you know, at least. Grissom, like all these dudes who were major league talents where now it's like three band-aids out there that, well, not three, the one guy's decent, right? From the twins. He should be a decent player, but I, I can't believe they let the outfield go where you're saying, typically you get speed and power, you manufacture runs or you manufacture base runners. And I don't see how any of that is happening this year. It terrifies me that I will be so bored watching the Indians this year. I just probably won't watch a lot of <laughs> Indians this year. I think Mercado can play. He, he had a weird season last year, but I think that dude can play and he'll be all right. And hopefully Rosario's good. It's just, there's no depth. And I guess maybe the bigger question is Phil, why? Why is this organization so great at developing pitchers and apparently so shitty at developing bats and outfielders? Well, I think they've developed a few recently and they've been involved in trades. One plays for the Yankees currently. <laughs> you know, so some of these outfielders that were in uh, would be in your major league roster right now did start. I guess in Indians farm system, but yeah, I don't, they don't identify this as a talent to keep, right. They're throwing them in on, on trade packages. So yeah. you want, especially in the American league, obviously we're used to, or you would think that you would want a decent amount of run production and, and power to come out of your outfield. But if you have outfielders hitting eight and nine, then you just better be trotting out some power hitting third base, shortstop, second base and first baseman. And I'm sure the tribe has that in line, right? <laughs> Isn't that what they're doing? I don't think so. And, and they're also going to get zero run production from their catchers. Catcher. Like they're, they're catchers. Both guys, great defensive catchers. Both are going to bat 215 this year, if they're lucky. It seems like the Indians are banking on a rotation that is going to shut people down and winning a lot of like low-scoring, close games with a lineup that's not going to produce a lot of runs. And I don't think that they have the staff to do that right now. But we'll see. Just to make things even worse, Terry Francona is has a staff infection right now. And I'm wondering, Phil, what are your thoughts on whether it's weird that we have to spend a lot of time hoping our coach is going to be in the lineup. 
at least in that position, we have some depth, right? And just trot Sandy back out there for, for half the season. <laughs> Maybe that's the only position we have depth at. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Terry, uh, he's not been well of late. <laughs> he seems to continue to, to struggle with all these health concerns. But, you know, hopefully he gets over this staph infection while they're out in nice, sunny Arizona and he's fine and he can manage this team through the year. You're the medical director of the pod, Phil. Is sun good for a staph infection? <laughs> I think uh, really medication, uh, antibiotics and things like that are really good for staph okay, infections. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just probably helpful that he's out in Arizona rather than, you know, dealing with our weather. All right. So that's, that's not a, really an exciting preview to start the season for the Indians. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it gets better as the season progresses. Cause you're right. Having a bad baseball team is hard because it's a really long season and it's a lot of bad games to watch in some Cleveland Browns news. The Browns re-signed Bob Jackson this week. You guys remember really? Bob Jackson? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Cornerback. And the article I read today said that Jackson fits the style of corner that Joe Woods has liked to this point, being able to play deep, coming up and making tackles. And in my watching of games this year, I don't think he did any of those things. <laughs> and his stats bear me out. He had four tackles. He gave up six receptions on 11 targets, which tied him for 167, according to Pro Football Focus, among defensive backs in the NFL. So, Chuck, was this the move that you thought the Browns were going to be making to shore up the secondary this offseason? So, I'm so glad they hit the ground running by uh, <laughs> locking up such great talent uh, for our secondary. I guess for depth, okay. But, yeah, we have, yeah. Just for depth, I'm, I'm hoping. I know we've talked about this. You're getting some guys back from injury who were drafted and hadn't played that much. So uh, maybe it's just a precursor. We're saying they're sending a message to us like we're ready to spend and we're going to start with Bobby Jackson or whoever he is. <laughs> I think he actually goes with Robert Jackson, but until he plays better, I'm calling him Bob. Bobby. I'm not yeah, going to give him right. Robert. Well, I just hope they didn't waste all their cap space on this one. <laughs> 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 that would be a problem. I, I'm I not think... even sure this dude is getting a million bucks because I have a <laughs> feeling he's going to be on the practice squad which is where he would have been last yeah. year but for injuries but for covid and probably unfair to you know put him in some of those games covering good wide receivers i think he got torched in that Tennessee game. And I think yeah. he got torched in the second Ravens game too. Let's hope we don't see him on the field much next year because we have healthy guys ahead of him. And if he is, you know, maybe the Bob Jackson award goes out weekly instead of the Sandejo award. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Phil, write that down somewhere. That's something we may I'm be able it. to use. <laughs> all right, guys, kind of a slow week in Cleveland sports. So that's all I have for segment one. So why don't we just go ahead and take our first break now and we'll head uh, on the road for segment two unprofessional and unprepared is brought to you by the autoresponder we've all been there you're at home watching a game or your favorite show about home improvement or cooking when your spouse or significant other interrupts to talk to you about their day or tell you a story that doesn't really have anything to do with you we all know the challenges of trying to pay attention to whatever you're watching while providing an appropriate level of conversation to avoid getting in hot water well, those challenges can now be a thing of the past with the autoresponder. The autoresponder is a one-of-a-kind technology that uses artificial intelligence and your own voice to automatically provide responses without your active participation. When a conversation starts, just turn on the autoresponder, and it will provide the appropriate number of uh-huhs, what did you do, or that's interesting, tell me more, so that you can keep your attention focused while the conversation rolls on. Turn on the advanced settings and autoresponder will add such phrases as 
They really don't appreciate you enough at that place. Oh, no, she didn't. That is an interesting dream. What do you think it means? I saw that on Facebook, too, and I was very offended. Or, I'm good with whatever you want to eat tonight. Before you know it, you will be carrying on whole conversations with friends or loved ones without missing a moment of the big game or a single big reveal. Best of all, your family and friends will appreciate what a great listener they think you have become. Don't miss a thing, and don't say a thing, with the autoresponder. All right, welcome back, fellas. Let's jump into our second segment and go on the road. And first, I'd like to stay in Major League Baseball and talk about the Fernando Tatis Jr. contract. 14 years, $340 million. Tatis Jr. is 22 years old. He's had two seasons in the majors, but he's only played a total of 143 games in those two years. So not even a full schedule. But if you prorate his numbers for those two years to a full 162, it's 44 home runs, 111 RBIs, 301 batting average, and a 956 OPS. Phil, was this a smart move by San Diego? History would say no. I think this is a contract that you, you've seen, right? You've seen since A-Rod. Like, didn't the Rangers do the same thing with him? And, and then the only way he was able to continue that was to end up in New York. So I don't know if San Diego's looking at this like, all right, the only way we tie this guy up is to spread this ridiculous contract out until he retires, knowing that a ton of things can change between now and then. I have to imagine that at least six or seven of those 14 years, if he's still in San Diego, they're kicking themselves much like the Detroit Tigers are now with their contracts. I don't know. The length of it seems crazy to me. I think that's really interesting, but I think I'm going to disagree with you that this is like contracts that we've seen before, uh, because I think we've seen those kind of contracts and the ones that cripple the Detroit Tigers right now. And same with like poo holes with the angels where you're actually signing guys that are a little bit older to those long deals, knowing that maybe half the contract, they're going to be out of their prime. And we've seen contracts where when the players are still under team control, when they're younger, they, the team buys a few years, like we did with Kluber, you, know, you buy like an extra three years before they're free agent eligible. I'm not sure we've seen something like this, where you've got a guy who has barely any major league experience, but a shit ton of talent. And you're basically locking him up for his entire prime. Like he'll be 36 when this thing is done. He might still be a productive ball player until he's 32 or 33. So it doesn't seem to me there's as many bad years on the end as there would be with Cabrera's contract or Pujols' contract. So you're really right. You're diving in, you're diving in forever. Do you think this is a new strategy that we're going to see teams try to use to lock these guys up essentially for their careers? Possibly, right? When you think of San Diego, I don't, I don't think of the Yankees or the Dodgers. That is this massive market. Not that San Diego is a, a big market. It is. But this kid is like somewhat electric in his limited MLB experience. Right. Most highlights I saw last year of MLB had his face on them. Uh, he plays the game very differently. And what I mean by that is there is this huge joy. There is this attitude. Like he doesn't give a shit if he throws his bat 30 feet in the air after he hits a home run. A lot of like unwritten rules that he does not follow. A guy 30 feet is really high. But he he's on the cover of MLB The Show this year for 
uh, Xbox, and I think it's coming to Xbox as PlayStation exclusive. I think what San Diego is trying to do is project like this guy may become the face of baseball within the next five to 10 years uh, and lock him up. But yeah, they're doing it because you can have him in his prime for that long and worry about financial stuff 10 years from now if his skills start eroding. I just think he is one of the most exciting young players in baseball, a guy that I would seek out to watch when I probably haven't done that in a couple of years with any young, maybe Bryce Harper was the last talent. Yeah, that. sure. I, I, yeah. I like I went out of my way to see if he was playing on TV, but I just think the kid's a stud from what I've seen, and I'm excited to see him play. And at some point, a lot of players are going to be worth that kind of money for that long. If you're saying it's it's copycatted when it comes to contracts, which I, it probably should be to lock up talent. Like Phil, is this something the Indians could have tried with Lindor years ago? Because the thing was, is that they wanted to try that same deal they've done so many times to to buy his first few years of free agency so they'd end up keeping him for eight years instead of six or nine years instead of six. But his agent would never do it because he knew when this guy leaves, he's going to get a huge long-term deal from somebody else at way more money. And so it doesn't make sense to do that. Sure. They could have tried it. I, I don't know if the tribe ownership would have ever thought to, Hey, let's sign someone for 14 or 15 years. You have to be able to absorb. And I don't disagree with anything you guys said about Tatis and how electric he is and the kind of player he is. Um, but you have to be willing to absorb. Let's assume he stays healthy and productive. You have to absorb what four or five years of mediocrity, maybe at the end of that. God forbid he gets hurt. And all of a sudden now you're looking at 10 years of absorbing, oh my gosh, right. what did we just do? So that I think is what tends to scare the markets like the Cleveland market away from these kind of things because they can't they can't absorb that. How how could they? I would imagine the Padres are pulling in way more money than the Indians. I don't know what their ownership looks like either. They're certainly willing to spend way more money because they they signed another long-term free agent too. Uh, what's his name? From Baltimore, right? Yeah, that guy. I don't that know. Guy. No, they they have spent <laughs> they have spent money this year, but I think the interesting thing that they may be looking at is what are the economics of the game going to be yeah. seven years from now? You know, all of a sudden having a guy seven years from now in his prime at twenty million a year that might seem like a deal. Then that might seem That's like true. a team friendly yeah. deal eight years, ten years from now. And the, I think the guy could still be playing. There's no reason that these guys can't be productive at thirty one, thirty two. So really what the Indians should have done then is if you go back to when Lindor was at that point, sign him to market value for 14 years then, because we'd be looking at that contract now thinking, wow, they got a good deal. Yeah. They're spending $15 million a year on this guy that otherwise he'd be getting 30. All right. Now I yeah, hate and, the Indians ownership again. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> what they should have done is sold that team to Dan Gilbert and just yeah, let him yeah. use all of his money without having yeah. to worry about a salary cap. That would have been great. <laughs> Let's take a take a move, guys, into the NFL and talk about musical chairs with quarterbacks. So far, there has been a lot of talk without a whole bunch of action among quarterbacks moving around. The only deals that got done so far were the Stafford deal and then the Wentz deal just got done end of last week or over the weekend. But there are still a lot of potential moves that could happen. The Watson saga continues in Texas. Teams that are interested right now include the 49ers, the Broncos, the Panthers, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Cavs, and the San Jose Earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> but but Texas is holding firm and still saying that they're not going to trade him. Russell Wilson has made some noise and maybe wants out. I'm not sure I buy that one. The Jets are moving on from Sam, Sam Darnold, either through a trade or through the draft. Jimmy Garoppolo may be on the moves. We know the Patriots want him back. Mitch Trubisky may be moving as well. 
And this doesn't even really count that next tier down of quarterbacks who are your veteran backups who maybe have a chance to start depending on where they would land. And there's six or eight guys like that. Your Teddy Bridgewater's, your Jameis Winston's, Fitzpatrick might still be out there. So there's there's a lot happening. This is the most important position maybe in all of pro sports. And trading these guys, especially the top tier guys, used to be unthinkable because of the salaries. Chucky, why do you think there's so much movement or potential movement with these guys this year? Well, I think what's been set before us so far with the golf Stafford Wednesday is that organizations or coaching staffs have lost faith in previous quarterbacks who had great success, or at least got them to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, and Stafford's been a hell of a quarterback. I, I think it's such a quarterback-driven league, and there is no time for rebuild in long-term planning anymore in the NFL. You're expected to compete and compete right now, and the only way you're truly doing that is with a top-tier quarterback. At least that is what we've been led to believe for quite some time, like the last five to seven years, that the only way you're winning is if you have a guy throw for 5,000 yards and 40 plus touchdowns and nine interceptions, somewhere in that. It's unfathomable to me that in this world, there aren't 32 guys who fill that role. <laughs> They're just it, like, it's insane to me that there aren't 32 top tier guys who could win or carry a team or make players around them better. I've never seen this kind of movement. It, like you're saying, it's musical chairs and all the way down to guys like Teddy Bridgewater unfollowing the Panthers on social media. Like it's it, <laughs> okay. You know, like, I don't know where it lands. When we first started talking about this and Deshaun Watson, I said, there's no way they're ever trade him. But now I think there's no way he ever stays there. So it just seems like there's a monumental shift happening in the NFL that if you are quarterback, if you don't win within your first two to three years, and even if you do if you show any sign of regression no matter if the coaching staff leaves or if your offensive coordinator gets a head coaching gig guess where it falls on you it's your fault and yeah. you're gone what do you think phil it's crazy I, I read something today that no quarterback drafted in the first round between 2009 and 2017 are still with their team that's nuts <laughs> no quarterback in the first round from 2009 to 2017 is with their original team so I, i'm not I, even sure i believe that that seems I, impossible to me well, when did we draft Baker? On it in 2018. Oh, okay. See, I don't need a stat department. I've got you, Dingo. This is not even fall in the stat department. This is in the history department. So I, I don't know. This this would take a deeper dive by the stat department, but based on that comment I just made, I'm pretty sure the bookends to that are Ben Roethlisberger on the late end, right? And then Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson, technically right now on the other end. That's crazy. So why this is happening, I don't know. You know, in, in Watson's case and, and Stafford, these are proven NFL quarterbacks. So these are guys that are getting moved for different reasons. You know, the rest of the, the group that you mentioned, be it a, a Goff or a Bridgewater or a Trubisky, these are guys that, all right, we just can't waste any more time trying to figure out if they're going to yeah. lead us to the, to the championship, right? So they're moving on and there's only so many, there's 32 of these jobs. Jobs, right. So these guys are going to land somewhere else. And do they become that playoff quarterback with the people around them? You may see that with Stafford uh, this coming year, wherever Deshaun Watson lands, you would think that would be the case. If Baker Mayfield had a year last year, like he did in 19, the Browns would be in the same boat right now. Yeah. They would, they'd yeah. be moving on three years. Nope. You're not it. We got to get someone else. I think the Stafford deal is one that would have made sense five years, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, because he's an older guy. That team is going nowhere. It's going through another rebuild. You can see guys like that being moved to give them a chance to, to play and win a title or something. The idea of uh, Russell Wilson moving 
uh, the idea of Deshaun Watson moving, those are the ones that I think really stick out. You say, there's no way this can happen. Even Wentz is a little bit more understandable because he, he's been so poor of the of late and he's got some injury issues. Chucky, you think this is what we can expect to see year in, year out from the NFL now? Or is this like a one-year blip that yeah. is more circumstantial than anything else? I think it's more of like a maybe one to three year blip and then maybe it it settles back in. I think every team is looking for a generational talent and guess what? There aren't that many of those dudes coming around. Like who, who was the last one? The Colts. Yeah. Andrew Colt. Maybe Trevor Lawrence is generational. I I think it, it, it should settle down is my hope because the rest of the league will start to feel like we felt with the Browns for, for so many years. Like, Hey, let's, let's kick the tires on this dude and let's bring him in. He's going to be great. Now he sucks. And let's do this. Jake DeLome will be awesome. Yeah. Bring them in. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Let's get that guy. (laughs) And that's, I think what goes to, um, the point that I think Chucky was making at the beginning is you you have to have a good quarterback to win. I think you see that more now than maybe when Dilfer won a Super Bowl, right? He wasn't expected to win that game. Yeah, maybe Manning won one with the Broncos that you know it wasn't really on him to win it because yeah. their defense was so good. But other than that, when in the last 10 years, now granted the last 10 years are kind of odd because Brady's won most of them. <laughs> <laughs> when in the last 10 years have we seen a bad quarterback win a Super Bowl? Anybody? I don't think we have. I, I yeah. think Eli, yeah. maybe? Is Eli the worst one? And Eli was a, certainly better than anything we ever had in Cleveland during yeah. those years. Eli has great career stats. I mean, that's not a bad quarterback at all winning right. a Super Bowl. All right, guys, let's move on and discuss Naomi Osaka. Chuck, scale of one to five, one being I have no damn idea, five being I'm an expert. How well do you know Osaka's game? One. <laughs> Phil? Uh, I know her game at a one level. I do know who this person is, though, so that's Excellent. good, right? <laughs> Chucky, you sure. know who? Is this the golfer? Is Wrong. That who we're talking about? No. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Miss Osaka is a tennis player. She just won the Australian Open this weekend. She's 23 years old. She has won half of the majors that she has entered. She's won four of the eight that she's been in. Put that in some context. Tiger Woods won one major in the first eight that he played in. She's also won every Grand Slam final that she's played in. She's undefeated in Grand Slam finals, including this, like I said, this one this weekend. So, Phil, do you think there's an athlete in team sports that we can compare to this 23-year-old tennis player? Patrick Mahomes. That's it. That's the list. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. What about you, Chucky? I'm sure there's somebody playing soccer in some European league that I, I also know on a scale of one who might be just as dominant. <laughs> but no, I don't think you can. She has quite the resume for a young woman. I mean, I was uh, thinking when I read that she had won all of her Grand Slam finals, my first thought was Jordan. There's somebody you can compare her to because, you know, he was undefeated in championships, but he didn't start winning those until he'd been in right. the league for six or eight years. He wasn't doing it when he was 23 years old. I really enjoy watching greatness. It, it's why I've enjoyed watching Brady win all the games that he's done and, and enjoyed Jordan, except for when he was killing the Cavs and enjoyed Tiger and stuff like this. I like being witness to these great things. We're always missing these things in tennis. You know, Federer, Nadal, Serena, uh, now Osaka. These are some amazing athletes that don't seem to get enough attention. I'm curious what you guys thought about why or whether it's just as simple as people don't like watching tennis. What do you think, Phil? There's enough people that enjoy watching tennis, I I suppose. Um, But I don't know. That's a good question. Why aren't they? Serena is, is very remarkable. I mean, she's really gotten, she was 
and is the Michael Jordan of women's tennis, right? I mean, I yeah. think uh, that might be an exception, but I don't know. That's an interesting question. So do you, could you compare them to golfers? So outside of like a Tiger Woods, are these top tier tennis players just as marketable as the top tier golfers worldwide? Uh, maybe, you know, um, to com- try to compare a, an individual sport kind of thing. It's an interesting comparison to golf because it seems to be the one that makes the most sense, mm-hmm. but there is nobody like this in golf. Not now. Like it, right, was, yeah, it, was, right. it was Tiger and everybody right. in the world knew him. And you've got guys who are great. Like Dustin Johnson's awesome. Jordan Spieth had his time. Brooks Kepka had his opportunities, but nobody who's winning consistently like this or, or the way that Tiger did for those six or eight years in the middle of his career where he was just unbeatable. So now that I've been schooled on her, can I compare her to somebody? Yeah. Chuck, you, we, we can go back, Chuck. We can jump <laughs> well, ahead to other questions, whatever you want, I, brother. I think I am somewhat prepared now. All right. Michael, Michael Phelps. Is she comparable oh, oh, to Michael good Phelps? One. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Uh, a, another guy who won everything very quickly, but didn't come into the public's eye for a little bit of time. Maybe if she continues to dominate, then you see the endorsed deals and the weedy boxes and all that stuff and, and the Nike contract or whoever is going to sponsor her in tennis. And maybe she gets to that level. But if you're talking somebody who's dom- that dominant, the only person after I listen to you guys talk is Michael Phelps. Yeah, that's a really good one. I think it's a good example, although it's a little bit different because he competed in the Olympics and every four years, you know, the spotlight of the entire world was on those events. And mostly his dominance is still individual. Like, yes, he was on some teams, right? Relays and the U.S. team won awards. But to compare it to a team sport athlete's tough, you know, I mean, that's hard to do. In the last 15 years or so, we saw a golden age in men's tennis where Federer and Nadal are as good as anybody who's ever been at that sport. I never found myself getting up early to be like, hey, I'm going to watch the Wimbledon final between Federer and Nadal. And I think that's silly. Like it's you're witnessing greatness just because it's not on a football field or a baseball field. It's still the same thing and and probably should garner more attention. Do you hate tennis? Is that the real question here? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think you've cracked it, Phil. I'll be honest with you. I don't really enjoy watching it very much. There we go. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, that was a convoluted way to get to a real (laughs) answer. So with that, fellas, why don't we take our last break and then we'll head uh, off the field. This episode of Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by the worst marketing firm ever. WMFE is the industry leader in crafting terrible commercials designed for any audience. The ad guys at WMFE are the wizards behind such classically terrible but effective commercials like What's in Your Wallet, Jake from State Farm, and anything that combines Charles Barkley, Spike Lee, and Samuel L. Jackson. WMFE is ready to help you sell your product with its time-tested combination of bad acting, bad writing, and Pavlovian repetition. Good marketing doesn't come from creativity or humor, and WMFE stands ready to prove this to its clients and an undeserving public just trying to watch a game. Want your audience to love your product but hate your brand? WMFE can and will make that happen. All right, fellas, welcome back. Let's go into our final segment and go off the field. Dolly Parton is at it again. The woman is basically a superhero and an angel wrapped in one, and she was in the news again this week because the state of Tennessee wanted to build a statue of her on the grounds of their state capitol, and she said no because she didn't think it was appropriate to be celebrating her at this point in time in our country. It's amazing. We've been through this before. She's incredible. And so I'd like to know, guys, if any of these things 
would cause you to turn your back on Dolly. So first one, Phil, what if you found out that she litters? I'm fine with that. It's Dolly Parton. <laughs> okay, Chuck, how about you? <laughs> Same. I used to always say, and I've changed my ways that the world is your urinal and garbage can. So no, that would not uh, upset me about Dolly. Oh, you're a horrible person. I said I've changed Jeez. my ways. I used to always <laughs> say that, not anymore. Okay, what if Dolly starts a competing podcast about Cleveland sports with Burke? Phil? Well, um, I'm still going to listen to this podcast twice a week. I'll listen to theirs once. Okay. <laughs> Chuck? It would upset me, but I just don't think Burke and Dolly would have a lot of chemistry that we all have together. So I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't think that would upset me as much. Phil, what if you found out that she's one of those people who pushes her way into an elevator before letting other people off? That's rude, but I wouldn't <laughs> think less of Dolly Parton because I, I feel like all of her good still far outweighs that little idiosyncrasy. Chucky, how about you? Ditto. Yeah, that's not that big of a deal. We all deal with that a few times a year. And if it's Dolly Parton, wouldn't we all just be like, hey, it's Dolly Parton. This is <laughs> hey, great. I'm, on. Yeah. I'm riding up to whatever floor she's going to. <laughs> yeah. What if you found out she was a loud talker in public on her cell phone? I kind of hope she is. <laughs> I don't know why that, that, that strikes me as funny. I just see Dolly Parton like on speaker yelling into things like, don't build me a statue, damn it. People are dying. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Chuck, how about you? I'd still be fine with it because again, I my ears would perk up and I, is that Dolly Parton from across the grocery store? <laughs> and then I would meander my way over to make sure I'm hearing what she was talking about. Wouldn't upset me at all. All right. What if you found out it was her idea for Ted Cruz to fly to Cancun? Bill. Well, I, I would really, I'd have to have a conversation with her because was he, was she just trying to get rid of him? Then. Okay. <laughs> Chuck, how about you? There's not much she could do at this point. I think to upset me. So okay. enjoy Cancun. And I will just say that that was really a travel question, not a political question, because as you know, we don't talk politics or religion on the show. So that was more about traveling to Cancun than about anything else. Nice um, disclaimer. <laughs> What if, uh, what Phil, what if you found out that she's one of those people who leans her seat back on a flight? Am I in front of her or behind her? You're behind her. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe, maybe I take the opportunity to get to know Dolly Parton then on that flight. So I, it wouldn't bother me if it was Dolly Parton leaning back into me. It wouldn't bother me at all. Okay. Chuck. I would sit Indian style. So Dolly would have more room <laughs> to lean back. Okay. Phil, what if crisscross Dolly... applesauce, man. <laughs> Phil, what if Dolly started mansplaining things to you? Uh, that I, I wouldn't think any less of her. I, it's up to me whether I listen or not, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty pretty uh, well-practiced in not listening, so I think I'd be all right there. How about you, Chuck? Again, I'd be okay with it. Wouldn't bother me at all. Hey, what if Dolly did all of them, though? If she's doing all those things, do you still think she's a great person? At the yes. same time? <laughs> wow i actually think she's she's even greater now that's that's impressive that might be the only way she got on my nerves if she did them all at the same time all right well dolly you're warned don't do all these things at the same time or you risk turning off this podcast's uh love for you this is somewhat off the field but somewhat on the field but uh i read something today that patrick mahomes and fiance give off a bridgerton vibe in pregnancy shoot have either of you guys watched bridgerton on netflix no. Okay. I've, I've heard about it from my mother, but no. Okay. I have watched it. And it's one of those shows that if we weren't in a pandemic, I would have never watched it, but I was actually mildly entertained. So it was fine. Um, this is a weird thing to do basically on radio, but I'm going to share the screen so you guys can see the picture. Oh, wonderful. Still looks like you. <laughs> All right. You see that? Oh, good. Girl. Yeah. Look <laughs> so at that. 
So that is, that's the photo. And I will say that Mahomes is just in a suit. She, however, is definitely dressed to look like the main character in Bridgerton. So Phil, whose idea do you think this photo shoot was? Oh, definitely Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this is <laughs> definitely his idea without a doubt. He's still, he's still suffering uh, post-concussive syndrome from the Browns game. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, what do you think? Was this I Mahomes think, idea or was this his fiance's? I think it was Andy Reid's idea. Oh, this wow. looks like it was staged by him completely. In fact, that might be one of the masks behind them that he wore Ooh. during the Super Bowl. <laughs> Did not see that coming. <laughs> what I see here is the fact that Mahomes is just like us. If your wife or your fiance or your girlfriend asks you to do something, yeah, you say yes. Chucky, how do you think the locker room is going to react to this? Ooh, I hope some gigantic 300 plus pound linemen uh they reenact it when they come into <laughs> camp this year they're just waiting like they set up his locker with the backdrop and everybody takes a turn in that dress with him recreating it That's that would be great phil what about you yeah, that's exactly how they should react to this. In fact, I hope someone <laughs> listens to this pod so they have that idea. The left tackle is uh, dr in that dress, and uh, maybe Travis Kelsey is playing the role of Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Let's move from off the field to outer space. Perseverance rover landed on Mars this week. It left Earth on June 30th, 2020, landed at the end of this week, which means it got there in less than a year, which to me seems amazing. You can get from Earth to Mars in less than a year. It doesn't seem like that big a trip. Its main goal is to search for signs of aliens, and it includes Ingenuity, which is a helicopter. They're going to fly it on Mars, and it will be the first powered flight ever on another planet. Phil, scale of 1 to 10, 10 being pegging your jeans, one being a satin starter jacket. How cool is this? I don't even have to ask you to, to explain that scale. This is number one satin starter jacket cool. That's how cool this is. Are, are you into space stuff like this, Denko? Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. I, li I like sci-fi. I like that we're, uh, we're slowly uh, trotting that way, exploring the very next planet is about the <laughs> extent of what we can do at this stage. But, you know, we're getting there. What about you, Chuck? Have you been following Perseverance on Twitter? I Actually, I've seen a bunch of pictures. So, yes, I, I have been somewhat following. It's amazing to me. Is it one? No, because there's nothing cooler than my purple LSU satin starter jacket. So it is two to me, maybe a 1.5. It's it's super cool that something for me, like you're saying, the trip there that didn't take all that long is amazing. But what's more amazing to me as a guy who has trouble working in radio, getting one signal from one room to another, they can actually send back <laughs> photos from another planet. So yeah. that's the coolest thing. Like that's, and sound. I'm pretty sure I heard sound too. So that that was kind of blew my mind. Yeah. I miss, I miss like 10 texts a day from you guys. How the hell, what, right. what yeah. service are they on? <laughs> I doubt it's AT&T. They're, they're, <laughs> they're using something better. <laughs> That's right. So is it fair to say that you guys are both in agreement that we should be spending obscene amounts of money to do things like this, Chuck? Uh, what is left that is so awe-inspiring? Uh, we've been to the moon, allegedly, some people would say, uh, but uh, <laughs> oh, you, you got to Mars. Uh, so what's after Mars? When does something leave our galaxy and send back photos or sound? Yeah, I'm cool with them spending an ass load of money to go farther and further than anything has ever gone before 
from this planet, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm sure there's a bunch of space dust that's been farther out, but spend as much as you want because who knows, at some point, maybe our children's children may be making a trip to Mars and it might take six months instead of a little over a year. What about you, Phil? Yeah, I'm okay with it. I think it's it's part of the human condition, right? Exploration. That's been going on since we started finding other pieces of land on our wonderful planet. So you don't want to curb that. I, I, you spend the money. You don't know where this is going in the future. And you continue to push the limits and explore. And as intelligent beings, the idea is let's continue to learn and grow outward. Even private organizations now funding space yeah. travel and exploration and, and the science behind it. So so maybe it starts to go more that way and it's less of a government-funded thing. Who knows? But yeah, keep, keep doing it. We can't stop this. I'm 100% in favor of this because... 50, 60, 80, 500 years from now, no one's going to be worried about like the stupid things we're fighting about. They're going to look back and say, whoa, those guys were trailblazers. They went to Mars. That's incredible. These are the things that make our society great. And I'm not only okay with them spending the money, I'm behind it all the way. I think this is the fourth time they've landed something on Mars. Like it's getting easy to land robots on Mars. So don't you think the next step is manned? a manned mission to Mars, right? I have a feeling there's probably a, a lot of shit they got to figure out before they can do that. But I mean, that's that's obviously where it's headed. Yeah, like I don't what, think what is have... what is Matt Damon doing right now? Is that is that what they have to figure yeah. out? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a more important stuff to figure out than that. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, isn't that the goal is to get there? I think that's really cool. So fellas, before we go tonight, I know Tommy's not here, but um, I did exchange some text messages with him today. He is down a total of 28 pounds. Uh, wow. So we only lost Great. two this week. Um, 28 is a big number. It's 28 is a big number. number. And I have a feeling um, as, a, as somebody who has lost weight before, um, after getting considerably overweight, you have weeks like that, where they're just, the numbers just aren't, you know, as fast or slow as they are at some other times. But he did confirm me with me that he can dunk a basketball now. So, I mean, things are obviously <laughs> wow. working. Really well for him. <laughs> is, he, is he training in strength shoes still? Is that... I, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's strength shoes and Nutrisystem is like his entire, Amazing. His entire routine, I, routine, I think. I think he should have probably broke that out in high school basketball. We may have won another game or two. What the hell? I'm not sure why he wasn't using it. That might have been a coaching decision. Yeah, maybe. Do you guys know how long we've been doing the push-up challenge? It feels like forever. And I'm going to say, <laughs> uh, are, we, are we over a month? Are we at a month? I have no idea. I don't remember when it started. Oh. But it was it started, supposed to be a 30-day challenge. Well, it was a couple, it was a couple weeks into January, I think. So we may be right about there now. I thought a bunch of us agreed on one of these podcasts to just keep doing it forever. <laughs> well, that's, that's quite a commitment is I'm finding when it quarter to 10 at night and I realize, oh shit, I still got 25 more to go, <laughs> you know, get out of bed and knock out a few pushups. Okay. I was just curious if anybody remembered when I started our 30 day challenge and whether we were done yet, but um, I'm all in favor of keeping going. I think it's pretty fun. So. Uh, I'm assuming everybody else is too, except for maybe Shantz, who doesn't seem to like doing push-ups on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, with that, uh, we are out of time and I'm out of questions for now. So have a great week and let's do this again real soon. All right. All right. Sounds good. See you. Phil, your gulps are too loud. I didn't even take a drink yet. <laughs> no, I finally, I've been hearing this sound over and over and over during recordings. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And I finally 
figured it out last week. And it was like a gulp of you taking a drink. So you gotta you gotta gulp you gotta gulp quieter. Uh you can go fuck yourself. I'm gonna keep it real. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can work on that. Okay. Yeah. I I was I was really happy when I figured out what it was. <laughs> When you just said it, though, I was like, holy shit, I'm reaching for my glass right yeah, now. What's, yeah. Am I on a delay? <laughs> maybe what time you will, maybe you will seek her out. Like, I never really watched um, track and field, but once Usain Bolt caught fire, I made sure I was watching him run. You know, I, yeah. maybe it's, you know, maybe it's, and I watched a like, um, like when Agassi was playing. Yeah, I would watch when he was playing and stuff like that. I met Agassi. I, I oh, sold really? him. I sold him seeds. Yeah, really? but, uh, I was working the um, like the parent-run snack shack at the baseball fields, like where my son was playing. Like That's an awesome story. Yeah. yeah, and he and Agassi came up. He had his one of their kids was playing like two fields over, and he came up and. Kind of looked around the shack and like, oh, get some seeds. <laughs> yes, you can, sir. <laughs> and he's for him. Yeah, yeah. He was just there. well. I don't know. They might have been for Steffi. I didn't see her. Um, maybe the kid playing yeah, baseball. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's not a not a big dude. Like he's not that much taller than I am. Um, yeah. And you know. Anyway, that was cool. 